Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. I'm hoping you can explain the hit on metals of mining. Quick question on ticker symbol AG, first majestic. My wife has a rollover 401k from a previous employer. I was curious if this is eligible to be used to do a backdoor Roth. And provides unbiased answers. Well, that's pretty easy. Open up a Roth account, start moving the assets over there. Just know that every asset that you move over to the Roth is added to your income. Invest Talk, across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. I'm Steve Peasley, and I look forward to talking with you about investment issues. We do this every day and this time. And, you know, I've been doing it for 20 plus, 22 years or so. And at this time, at this point, I'm hoping you understand that I have no hidden agenda. I don't have any point of view I got to push. I try to stick with the facts. I, I don't speculate very often, but I will tell you when I do speculate. But I the whole purpose of today's, you know, the whole purpose of the Invest Talk program we do on every day is to inform you, to make you aware and understand the current environment we are in and how to avoid the pitfalls of, of a volatile market. In today's investing situation, it's very different from what we've been in the last several decades. We, it's changed, and it, it does change. And one thing I can tell you, if you've been doing this or if you continue to do this over many years, you'll see the changes, and you have to be flexible. You know, some people have just one way to do things. There's a way I've done it. There's a way I've always done it. I'm never doing it. And, well, guess what? The stock market will embarrass you the most because it's not the same all the time. It can have very long periods of the same. It can, but it changes. And over your investing life, you'll notice it. And if you're smart, you'll recognize it and change with it. Okay? But you drive the show. It is a very important aspect of this show that you drive the show. Because whatever is interesting to you, remember, you're the one that has to build your own financial future, not me. I, I can't do that. I can always help you, but you have to answer the questions for yourself as how you want to do this, how you want to invest, how you want to grow your money, okay? I can only give you advice, and I'd be happy to do that, and that's what we do. I enjoy doing it. So, you've got to put the odds in your favor by learning how to make consistently good decisions over time. And believe me, you'll make mistakes. You'll make them. They're unavoidable, but you can learn from your mistakes. You all, By doing this and being consistent, you will achieve a winning portfolio. You will grow your money. It's not you know, impossible to do. You can buy an index and just hold on to it for 30 years and you'll do fine. 
You realize that? You don't have to try to pick individual stocks if you don't want to. You don't have to do that. You'll still be successful. Problem is, is you can't time the market. You can't try to you know, do things that have been proven over time that don't work. And then that means you have to learn what those are. So on this podcast, we will operate with our same mission statement we do every day, independent thinking and shared success. And this is your assurance that I'm going to give you the facts on the market, how the process we use to explain things, uh, even in our educational segments. We're going to give you the facts as we understand them and we see them. And we'll do it all without a bias. Again, just the facts. I encourage you to contact me with your financial investment questions. Yes, as I said, you get to shape the show in the direction you like. In fact, you can call me and interact right now. We're live, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, Monday through Friday. Or if you can't call during the live show, you still can call and leave your questions. We call it the voice bank, and we all answer a number of those questions every day. And we'll do it again today. Either way, you can call right now, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So let's go ahead and get right to our first listener question. Justin, Steve, what's going on, y'all? You got to answer me on a ticker symbol. EVA, my baby, my precious. Tell me how much you love it. What's the flaws? I'm averaged in pretty uh, pretty low, about 53. It's hitting 85 now. And uh, I'm not selling, but what would you do? Thanks, y'all. Look forward to hearing. I'd sell. I take some off the table. I might not sell at all. Okay, this is EVA, Invivia Inc. Supplies utility-grade wood pellets to major power generators located in northern Europe. Okay, it's a $5.7 billion company. They're going to make $1.32 this year. They lost money last year and a year before. Next year, they're going to make $1.85. They pay a 3.8% dividend. However... The stock is $85.75. It's had a great long run up. $1.85, and it's an $85 stock. So then it must be a huge sales growth. Well, the most recent quarter, sales shrank by 1%. Before that, they were up 5 Before that, they were up 70 And before that, they were up 19 I am telling you that most likely... Most, if 90% or more of the move is already in this stock. They're probably having a great time because of the, you know, the disruption, the possible disruption of, remember, what they provide. Utility-grade wood pellets. And they may shut down the natural gas lines coming from Russia into Europe. So they're going to rely more on wood pellets to generate electricity, aren't they? That's what. So the story is really spectacular, but the stock price is really high. Before this year, the highest it ever been. Before this year was last year seventy three, but before last year, the highest it ever been was forty six, and that was a year it lost two dollars seventy three cents. So, I think it's time to take some profits off the table. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina. Hi, Gene. Hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. I had a timely question for you about the Schedule K-1 tax forms. Yes. 
Yes. So as you mentioned in the past, that you get them from limited partnerships and master limited partnerships. Yes. My experience has also been that I've been getting them from certain ETFs, mm-hmm. particularly from pro shares that deal with, I guess it involves future contracts dealing with the price of natural gas or the price mm-hmm. of oil or currencies or even yeah. negative or positively leveraged funds. Has that been your experience with your clients? Uh, it has, but I've been voiding those religiously. So we don't have them. I don't like to have those unforeseen task consequences because you can't tell on an ETF exactly what you're going to get, you know, a K-1s t- that you might get. You don't know. And therefore, I don't like that at all. I, I, it's an it, unknown expense. Steve? You know? Steve? Yeah. Yeah. It, is there an easy way online that you can tell that you're gonna that that they that they will be issuing K ones? Uh, no, I have not been able to find it. Um, you might be able to call the ETF and ask them if they have an exposure that you're going to have that year, but they may I, not even be able to tell you. I, you know, I don't know I if use, they will. I use Charles Schwab as my bro- local brokerage, and yeah. when I do I drill down on features of ETFs, they do actually have a checkbox of whether or not they offer a Schedule K-1, but it seems to be inconsistent whether that's really yeah. true or not. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. Okay, well, thanks. Sorry, that's why I don't like them. It's just so unknown and inconsistent. That means taxes, everybody. That's what he's talking about. These K-1s added to your tax return, you got to pay taxes. Just don't like it. We have good news for Talk listeners that enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have just posted an all-new April Rapid Fire Hour with 30 caller questions. It's available now as a free podcast download. Please tell your friends and, and our family, friends, anybody that have an interest. Uh, Invest Talk, you go to, it's called the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Podcast. And now the Invest Talk phone lines are open. Call 888-99-CHART. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, and this is no time to lose focus. So get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Okay, my focus point today will be based on a story about before you leap into an ARM adjustable rate mortgage, be sure you fully understand the risks. ARMs, adjustable rate mortgage. I remember when they first came out in the early, early 70s or maybe the late 60s. I'm not sure. Um, And I I barely remember that because I was, what, uh, just out of high school. Um, But I do remember them because I remember them in in 19, and when the recession of like 1973 or so was basically uh, at the fault of arms, adjustable rate mortgages. So we'll talk about that. Okay. Also, uh, the PPI came out today. Remember, the CPI came out, Consumer Price Index versus the Producer Price Index. And, of course, as you probably expect, the Producer Price Index was pretty high, too. But I want to talk about it a little bit. Earnings season is getting underway in earnest this week. You know, this week, basically. And it's going to be interesting about the banks. Two big banks are going to be reporting, um, Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan. 
Very important. You know what the most important thing on this earnings season to watch out for is to mm-hmm. look for will be margins. Are the corporations able to maintain their margin that they have been having during these inflationary times? In other words, can they pass along the costs to you and me, the consumer? We're the ones going to pay for inflation. We always do. Also, I want to talk about, though, I mentioned this a month or plus ago, huge oil fines off of Guyana and the, uh, in, in off the shores of Guyana in South America. ExxonMobil is spending $10 billion to develop an oil field, huge oil field there. A number of large oil companies, huge large oil companies around the world, have found big deposits of oil there. I want to maybe discuss that a little bit, too. And finally, the market was up today, had a finally a relief rally, up 344 points on the Dow. That's 1%. 272 points on the NASDAQ. That's 2%. And 49 points on the S&P 500, which is 1.1%. So we had a little bit of relief rally. Let's see if we have any legs on this relief rally going in tomorrow and Friday. And I think the only way we're going to get legs is if the earnings are pretty pretty strong, very strong. I think that would be very strong to overcome the negativism of the Fed raising rates and oil prices and high inflation. So that's what we need to forward to. Okay, 888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. So we might as well go ahead and start talking about the producer price index. That was up 1.4%, okay, for March, and it was up 0.9% in February. And this this number was strong and broad-based, strong and broad-based. Now, could this cause the Fed to raise rates faster, maybe a half a percent next month? Because the next time they meet is the first part of May. And I have a feeling they're going to raise it half a percent. They talked about in the minutes of the last meeting of doing that, that of the possibility of doing that, instead of the 0.25 that they've been raising or lowering for decades or more, a decade or two. So that's what I mean when I, at the beginning of the show, at the top of the hour, I said things are different now. The Fed now contemplating raising half a percent instead of doing that quarter percent. And that quarter percent up and down has been with us for 10, 15 years, 20 years. In my youth, it wasn't. Now we're going back in my old age, I guess. It's going back to being more volatile. We're moving into a break. I'm here and taking your calls live here on Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for InvestTalk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Let's go to uh, Alexander in the Bay Area. Hi, Alexander. Hi, Steve. I'm calling about ticker symbol T-A-T-T. 
Mm-hmm. And my question is, uh, so I want to pick it up. It's, you know, I like the, the dividend, and I think the split just happened recently. Yes. So my, I'm wondering, do you think that that dividend is in any jeopardy um, of them not being able to pay it? I see that the company itself has a lot of debt. So I'm, I'm concerned. They should be able to pay it. Uh, it's a $19.42 stock, AT&T. Everybody knows what they do. They spun off uh, the Warner, was it the Warner Brothers uh, piece and, and, and combined it with Discovery. And so you got shares of that combined company if you owned AT&T. Uh, so AT&T went down to $19.42, uh, and then it immediately popped up once that deal went through. Um, and they're going to make $2.20 this year um, and $2.18 next year, paying a 5.7% dividend. So that's about $1.50, $1.60. So they have to pay a pretty hefty part of their earnings in the form of dividend to, to maintain it at the same level. So um, I think they probably will try, but I wouldn't be surprised if dividend went down a little bit. Wouldn't surprise me at all because it's you're paying a huge amount, of, about 70 80% of their earnings in the form of dividend. Now, that's the only reason why you own AT&T is for the dividend because there's not much growth. Uh, so they will try to maintain a high dividend. They will try. So I'm holding on to it. Uh, we own AT&T and some of our managed accounts, and we're going to hold on to it. Thanks for the call, Alexandra. Alexander. Uh, Dave in Ohio. Hi, Dave. Oh, how you doing? Hey, thanks for taking my call. And I just want to add to what your previous caller uh, uh-huh. was talking about. Uh, I just uh, asked your thoughts on uh, Warner Brothers, Discovery, WBD, if I right. should keep it, sell it. I'm, I'm a dividend investor. Your thoughts? Well, we don't know what kind of dividend, if a dividend will be paid by the new WBD Warner Brothers Discovery Inc. company. We don't know. Um, I'm assuming they will pay a dividend. We're talking about a $13 billion company. And there was some good uh, news from an anal- analyst today who's saying the stock is worth about 50 to 70% more than it is. So the stock really had a good day up uh, you know, after, what, a day or two after the spinoff um, from AT&T. Um, so I don't think it can rely on the dividend. You just don't know. They're so new. We we just don't know. We we have no idea. Um, they are going to make a $1.54 share this year. And the analysts said that their earnings are going to increase sharply. They're going to save couple of billion dollars in in synergies by combining the two. That's what they said. I'll tell you this. In my history over the decades I've been doing this, combining two big companies into one usually is a process that takes longer than people think, and the benefits are not nearly as great as everybody expects. So we'll see if that's true with this company. It could be. But you can't rely on the dividend, Dave. It's just we don't know. We just don't. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Okay, we have an iTunes question. Remember, if you rate us at iTunes when you download the podcast from iTunes, we will get to a to get to your question very, very fast. So we have one uh, here, and it's about Amazon. Please tell us a good Amazon entry price point. 
Well, okay, I'll try. Let's take a look at a chart. He's not asking about the fundamentals, not asking about anything else, just wants to know what's a good entry point, entry point, and that's a chart reading. And remember, reading a chart is an art, it's not a science. Okay, so a good entry point would be a wrap. Oh, I say one is at $3,000. Remember, it's at 3110 right now. And another one is at 2700 That's a better entry point, 2700 So those are two places you can enter. Maybe put on a half position at three and the other half at 27 if it goes down. May not, but those are two entry points on a chart you asked about. Okay, um, we're going to talk about, I want to talk about earnings. Okay, the earnings season is getting away. Remember, the end of the quarter, after end of each quarter, the earnings season starts to get kind of heated. In other words, more reports come out after about a week or so after the end of the quarter. And in the second week, and that's this week, after the end of the quarter, you'll start getting a lot more a lot more earnings. So I want to talk about that a little bit before the end of the show. We have to take a break here. And I always have a trivia question, or try to anyways. Between 2020 and 2021, the number of fraud reports filed with the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, increased by 27.3% to 2.8 million of them. So after we go to break, here's my trivia question. Can you name the top five states reporting the highest percentage of fraud reports, including a monetary loss? Five. Top five. After break, I'll supply the answer. But for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage your investment questions. 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk, and we've all been watching the news and market volatility. Steve Peasley is here now, and he's ready with unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Okay, before the break, I gave you my trivia question. Can you name the top five states reporting the highest percentage of fraud reports, including a monetary loss? And just to set the table a little bit, this data was was based on the total fraud reports over 100,000 residents. Okay, so per 100,000 residents, I mean. So one, a total fraud reports per 100,000 residents. In the U.S., total reported monetary losses from scams saw a huge spike of 78% between 2020 and 21. Losses went up. 3.3 billion to 5.9 billion. Everybody's staying home from COVID. I guess the fraudsters too. <laughs> they have nothing better to do but steal your money. Anyways, um, the most common type of fraud in the U.S. is identity theft, which accounted for 29.39%. 29% is, is identity fraud. Okay, and that's uh, 29% of all reported reported fraud incidents in 2020 and totaled 1.3 million cases. This is 2020. So 29% is, uh, is um, identity theft. The second most common type of fraud is imposter fraud, scams. 
They were uh, nearly half a million ports for this type of fraud in 2020 and accounted for about 11% of all fraud reports. So, by state, ranking with the highest percentage of fraud reports, including monetary loss. Number one, you would never guess, Delaware. The median amount loss in the state was $400. 42% of the scams included a monetary loss. Number two is Nevada. Okay, the median amount of loss was $400. 36% of scams included a monetary loss. Three is Illinois. Uh, 1,872 um, fraud reports per 100,000 people. The loss was $285, 35% of the scams. Then the, to rounding out the top five, Florida and then California. I'm surprised New York wasn't at the top five. New York was number 10 on the list. Arizona was number 15. Okay, never give out personal information, everybody. You know how dangerous it is. And unless you know, you can trust the person or entity requesting the data. Problem is, some of the most, the biggest companies, the ones you think the most secure, they get they get hacked. <laughs> Your information gets out there. It's a pretty bad problem. Okay, we were talking about earnings reports before the break. I want to talk about we're in earnings seasons, just starting pretty pretty much uh, and getting warmed up right now. This week we're going to see uh, uh, big banks report. J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs, and I think that's going to be very telling. The market is looking for margins, margins to be squeezed or expanded or maintained. So remember, with big inflation, which we've had now for the first quarter, how are the companies faring? Are they able to maintain their profit margins? Are they able to raise their prices? Because remember, their input costs, which is the PPI number, producer prices, their input costs are going up very fast. Now, the CPI is what we're paying for. It's also going up very fast. So are the corporations able to keep their margins, their profit margins? And I'll tell you, historically, they, they usually do pretty well in inflationary times. But we won't know about that this time until we get some reports. Okay, let's get another caller voice bank question in, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Eric calling from Los Angeles. I'm a longtime listener and love the show. I had a question about ticker symbol COIN, C-O-I-N, Coinbase Global Inc. I don't have any crypto, and I was wondering if this is a good stock in order to get a position in cryptocurrency without actually investing in a, a single crypto coin. I see that it's been trending down and it just closed at the date of this call a little at 149 and some change. And I, it's the lowest I've seen in quite a while. And so I was wondering what you thought about a good entry point. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Coinbase Global, headquarters in San Francisco, develops develops a platform to invest in a in and use crypto assets for retail users, institutions, and ecosystems partners. Okay, so you have a coin and you want to use it. You, they develop a platform so it could be used, be spent on something. 
Now, they're they're going to make 36 cents a share this year and $2.11 a share next year. And their sales have been growing three, four hundred percent or more. I mean, uh, 800 percent last March quarter, you know, 485 percent last December, a year ago, December. So you can see how fast it's growing. Uh, but is that worth $154.79 a share? Okay, that's what the question is. It got up to 300 When it first opened, it got up over $400 a share. Fell down to in the 230 240 area, popped back up to 350 Now it's all the way down to 154 And this is a new 52-week low, it looks like to me. So there's no support. So I can't tell you what a good entry point is because there's nothing. Remember, that's a chart reading, and the thing is so new, I don't have enough history to let you know that this is a good support system. It's a support number. Around 150 to 160 seems to be where it wants to hold, but it did that same thing around $210 a share, and that didn't work out too good. So... I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't, there's no way to tell you. Sorry, I can't help you with that much. Okay. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Okay. We well. We always promise to get in our main focus point. So I had better get to it. My focus point today will be based on the story behind the the uh, the warning. Before you leap into an arm, be sure you fully understand the risks. Now, ARM, adjustable rate mortgages. ARMs get more popular as interest rates go up. Okay? Interest rates go up. ARMs are popular because the little thing that you should know about them is you get to qualify on the starting rate. So they qualify you on the beginning. uh, 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 So remember, banks want to know you can pay the loan, right? So they qualify you on how much of a how much your income is and how much of that you can afford in a mortgage payment every month. Okay, well the mortgage payment every month will be much reduced, much reduced if you use an arm. So, but there's dangers in arm. Now, many times arms are referred to as uh, most common one I think is one five. Um, that means after five years, uh, it will adjust every year after that. Okay? So, just be aware, the 30-year fixed rate is right now is 4.67%. That's the average. Okay? And uh, um, that's been up from 3% in November. I, I talked to you about that. By comparison, the initial rate of a 5.1 adjustable rate mortgage is 3.5%. So, it's... It's 1.17% lower. Okay. Now, it can make sense for some home buyers, but if you're a long-term home buyer, it can be very stressful if interest rates go up. Remember, arms can adjust down, too, if interest rates go down. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. We all know that, right? We all know that by now. We know the Federal Reserve is raising rates, and they're going to continue raising rates. So, if you plan on living in your house less than five years, the rate won't adjust. Okay, you can sell the house and you never had an adjustment up in your rate, you're doing fine. But then, if it's a 5-1, 
or 1.5, every year is going to adjust up, and the adjustment is usually kind of stiff because they're going to make up for when you were paying the extra low mortgage, right? They're going to make that up till they do. So if you're stuck in a house with an arm, now you're saying, well, now I got to pay. So you really need to know some of the terms. The initial adjustment cap, they are, they're, 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 the adjustments every year after five years is usually capped. It's not more than X. Subsequent adjustment caps afterwards, what, what, what adjustments after the initial? Is it the same, more, less, what? And lifetime adjustment cap over the life of the loan. How long is that? You know, so it you got to learn the terminology. They're more complex than the fixed rate mortgage, and each bank does different. Do they base the adjustments on LIBOR? You know what that is. How do they? What are they basing the adjustments on when it goes up or down? These are things you have to really understand when you get in this kind of loan. Don't just you know get it and think, oh, good, I got a, a really low starting rate. Yeah, maybe so, but might be unaffordable. Then what? Okay. Okay, so um, it's always worth a minute or two to talk about our firm. Justin Klein and I uh, offer clients services at KPP Financial, financial investment services. We are based in Irvine, California, between Orange County and in L.A. County and Southern California. And, you know, um, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, and we implement that philosophy by giving you unbiased guidance. We we practice what we call parallel investing, meaning we buy the same things for ourselves as we do for our clients. So we're always on the same side of the table as a client. Our money's our personal money's at risk, so we want to be on that same side. You can take advantage of our free portfolio analysis, and we'll. Talk to you after about 10 or 15 minutes. We'll try to gauge your risk tolerance and see if your portfolio matches that. We have tools to do that with that are easily used and can help you. We do that for anybody who asks. So please ask. We want you to ask. We want to help you, and we can only do that if you ask us, and we'll do it. So go to investtalk.com, click on Contact Us, give us a call, send us an email. Pretty easy to get a hold of us. Okay? Next up, we will go back to an Talk Voice Bank. Uh, remember, the phone lines never close no matter what. 888-99-CHART. The Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Justin from San Antonio. Had a question about PTSI, it's PAM, Transportation Services. I have a small position. In the past couple of weeks, it got hit pretty hard, as the whole transportation did as well. And looking at the company, the revenue expectations and the growth seems like it's moving in the right direction. Just curious your thoughts on the company, if these headwinds short-term would affect long-term investments in the company 
and what you think a good entry and exit point would be. Thank you very much. And I look forward to hearing your response. Okay, PTS, PTS, PAM Transportation Services provides truckload dry van carrier services, transportation, general commodities throughout the United States and Canada and Mexico. It's a very small company, so it's high risk. It's $579 million in size. Does make good money. It's going to make $4 a share this year after making $353 last year. Then it's going to go down next year to $365. No one likes that. Sales are increasing. So why is earnings going to go down next year? Probably because they anticipate sales not increasing as much or actually going down. It's a $26 stock, going to make $3.65. Okay, so what's that? Nine, eight, eight plus PE range. Okay, and the range is 5 to 34. So that's a lower range. Return to equity is very good at 44%. Good cash flow. They have some debt, and I don't know how dangerous that is. Management owns 69% of the company. That's very high, and that should bode well for the company. Mutual funds are slowly buying it. Well, it's difficult when management owns so much to buy more shares. And you ask if there's a good entry point or whatever. It topped. This stock topped at $40, and it did that three or four times before giving it up. And it bottomed at $30, and you know, as it topped, it went through a range, right? From 30 to 40, 30 to 40, 30, 40, 34, about five or six times in the last year. And now it's at 26. It broke below that. So it looks like it has good support in the low 20s, 21, 22 area, 23 maybe. It's at 26. Uh, it has a lot of overhead resistance at 40. So I don't expect it to go above that. So there's your range. And good luck with it. I hope it works for you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. Always the same goal, always. So, our work will continue right after this break. Get your questions in now, 888 99 Chart. The stock market is volatile, it's constantly changing. So, how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced, or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. The InvestTalk phone lines are open and waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, Justin, long-time listener, second-time caller. I wanted to talk to you about the waste industry, uh, waste and recycling, and uh, what you think about uh, some of the top industry leaders and their market caps in regards to uh, being a long-term hold. They seem to be a very sure bet in regards to being recession-proof in uh, some sort of nature. So I want to hear your thoughts and hear about uh, the consolidation industry and how that affects the stock price. It's appreciation. Thanks. Yes, it is a very stable industry. It's not cyclical, meaning the earnings and sales are not attached to the economic cycle necessarily, depending on which one you get into. But the largest one, I think, is waste management. Uh, I'm not recommending them or anything, but I think they're like $60, $70 billion in size. 
Um, and their sales have been going up. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good, solid industry to be in, but it's not exciting. They have growth, but not, you know, anything uh, outlandish. Um, and I, you know, you'd have to look at the fundamentals of each individual company to decide which one you want to get into. But, you know, the, the bellwether of this industry is Waste Management, Inc., WM is the is the is the symbol, and then you can compare all the other companies with them, um, and I think they're quite close to a fifty-two week high. So they they've done well. They've done very well. Okay, okay. Um, I have one last uh, uh, point here. I wanted to get across before we call it a day. Are we getting close? No, not too close. Um, ExxonMobil and other very large companies have made huge oil discoveries in off the shores of Guyana and is it Sierra Leone? I think that's the other country. These are very small countries, very poor countries. ExxonMobil is going to spend $10 billion to develop the oil find, which they estimated has 10 billion barrels of oil. Okay, so they're going to spend a ton of money on this. And I think they estimated the cost to get the oil out would be about $35, $40 a barrel. So anything over that it will be a profit for them. Okay, and as you know, right now it's, what, 100 bucks plus? So they think this is a really good bet, and so do a number of other big oil companies. I think you got... Uh, uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember the other companies that are there. Hess, uh, Armada Hess, ConocoPhillips, uh, Total. They're in the area. So all the big boys oil companies are there. And the reason why they're doing they're putting money out there is because it's a much more friendly environment economically and governmentally for them to do it. Okay, they, you know, the, the these countries, Guyana and Sierra Leone, are so poor, they're desperate to have have them develop those fields so they can, oil fields, so they can make some money, right? The, com- the countries. So they're very friendly and want to invite them in. Now, you compare that with our government say, well, you need to get more oil out of, out of the ground here. Well, we are pretty hostile, we're meaning the United States government, are pretty hostile to getting new oil out of the ground. You own the company, you're the manager, you're CEO, and where would you go? See, you can't make it so hard for them to survive and make a profit, you know, regardless of the need, you you got you to gotta help, and, and when I say help, not put barriers in front of them. I'm not saying you can't do it. You have to do it using, you know, proper methods, clean energy, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying they can't drill willy-nilly and make a mess of things. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can't put barriers in front of them or else they're just going to put their CapEx, capital spending, someplace that they have a higher potential to make profits. It's as simple as that. Pure economics to the company. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein, I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. And thanks to you, we're over 40 million total downloads, and we appreciate that. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes. 
your positive ratings, you don't have to give us a positive rating, but your positive ratings help, uh, help raise our profile, help spread the word. And we want to spread the word. Independent thing and shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 